Support for Mind, Body, Health, and Politics comes from our members and the Mendocino Coast District Hospital, offering medical services, including emergency room obstetrics intensive care, inpatient services, the North Coast Family Health Center, home health, ambulance services, physical therapy, oncology services, and more. More information about Mendocino Coast District Hospital and its services is at mcdh.org. Support for Mind, Body, Health, and Politics also comes from our members and Radiant Solar Technology. Ready to help plan power systems, advise on applicable incentives, conform to current codes, and prepare for future expansion. From solar panels to high-tech battery boxes, through sun, wind, and water, Radiant Solar Technology helps homes and businesses fill their renewable energy needs. Information at 707-485-8359 and RadiantSolarTech.com. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. I'm your host, Dr. Richard Miller. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us today. We're going to have a really good time interviewing two folks from the Healthy Mendocino Project's Family Wellness and Childhood Obesity Prevention Action Team. With us today in the studio is Tarni Sheldon and Neil Davis. Stay tuned. We're going to be interviewing them in a few moments. First, news and notes in psychology and medicine. Well, today we're going to be talking with Tarni Sheldon and Neil Davis about childhood obesity, particularly in the county of Mendocino. Many of you who have been listening to this program over the last 10 years know that that is most likely my favorite topic because I consider it to be the most serious health issue facing the United States and possibly the planet. Um, As you all have heard me quote many times, and I will continue to quote, hopefully not till you're blue in the face, but in all of recorded history, we now have a situation where the obese in the United States outnumber the overweight. 34% of the United States is now obese. 33% of the United States is now overweight. That makes 67% of the United States population are in what I consider to be a compromised health situation. My my statistician colleagues who run future projections and statistical curves on this data tell us that in a mere 13 years, a mere 13 years, that's 2030, in the year 2030, at the rate we are expanding, pun intended, 87% of the United States will be overweight or obese. Everything in the United States will be changing when it comes to getting around, sitting, standing, eating, clothing, etc. Chairs and airplanes will get larger. Furniture will get larger. Clothing will get larger. Automobile, I don't know what we're going to do with automobiles. I haven't read much about that. 
but these are just the what you might call minor inconveniences. The major issues, of course, are the individual people who are suffering. And I think it was Chairman Mao who said, when one person dies, it's a tragedy. When a million people die, it's a statistic. And in a way, that's true with this epidemic. You read about these numbers, and they're, they're overwhelming, and they're statistics. When you have it yourself, it's not a, if not a tragedy, it's, it's a major debilitation. And since we're going to be spending a lot of time on this topic of overweight and obesity today, I want to make a comment having to do with the sociological and psychological uh, implications. We live in a country, uh, as is are many of the countries in the world, uh, prone to uh, various kinds of prejudices. Uh, we have prejudices about things like people's hair, for example. When I was a young man, I had a girlfriend who used to iron her hair with a with an iron, she'd put her head on the side of this ironing board and put the hair out on it and iron it, because she was self-conscious about having kinky hair. Uh, it came with the territory because she was black. Uh, but then years later, I had another girlfriend who was white, and she went to the beauty parlor and spent hours making her hair curly. So you know we have prejudices. We have people who are white-skinned, who go to the beach to get tan, and then we live in a place where not that long ago we lynched people from trees and killed them because of their skin color. Uh, lepers, people who had leprosy were called lepers, and they were put out in, 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 in encampments far away from where everybody else lived. Um, it wasn't that many years ago in this country that we chained people up in caves if they had mental illness. Uh, mental illness still has a certain amount of stigma attached to it, although at this point there's a lot of recognition that almost every family in the country has been touched by some form of mental illness. It's an equal opportunity employer. Uh, drug addiction, uh, chemical dependence used to have a tremendous stigma on it in the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, so many people have gotten involved with, with drugs that the stigma has reduced quite a bit. I'm saying all of this as a lead-in to the fact that I recognize, and I hope those of you listening will recognize, that being overweight and being obese has a stigma, an unfortunate stigma attached to it, and there's shame and blame. And whereas a person who's an alcoholic can, can possibly walk around, quite probably walk around, without anybody even knowing necessarily until maybe late in the day, and there are times when people with mental illnesses can walk around and be just normal as anybody else, but you can't hide it when you're overweight or obese. You're walking around with it all the time, and there are opportunities for those who, even in this day, maintain prejudices. There are opportunities to shame and blame. Please know that this program is coming with complete empathy and understanding that overweight and obesity is a present part of the human condition. There are many challenges out there. This is just one of them. Shaming and blaming us for our human conditions only makes our conditions worse 
leads to psychological difficulty, which makes it worse and makes it much more difficult to heal from these illnesses. So this, this program today with Tarni and Neil is about raising awareness, raising awareness, linked to, linked to this issue of obesity is a major resurgence in physical activity, exercise, research going on all around the world. For example, there's a recent study in Europe that had 1.4 million participants over 11 years. And what they did was they measured physical activity and its relationship to 16 different kinds of cancer, including esophageal, lung cancer, kidney cancer, gastric cancer, uh, uh, leukemia, myeloma, as well as head, neck, bladder, rectal, and breast cancer. And what they found, no surprise, is that there is a direct relationship between exercise and reduced risk of 13 out of these 16 cancers. This is a very important study. Listening to this, if you're not an exerciser, which is most of us, there's time, as the article and the, and the, and the, uh, and the research states clearly, it's not too late to beat back some of the ravages of time, and this includes fighting cancer. Any kind of exercise is exercise. For example, light gardening is exercise. Washing dishes is exercise. Walking slowly is exercise. They are all low-level exercise, but they are exercise. Table tennis, house cleaning, climbing stairs, and cycling are more exercise than sitting and washing dishes. And, of course, your high exercise, high-level exercise, running uh, aerobics, tennis, and singles, and so on. But the basic message is to do something. Now, why are we doing this? Why, why are Tarni and Neil here today? Why am I talking about it so much? Well, here's the reason I can give you. When I was a little boy, we were at war. It was called World War II. The entire country was involved in the war effort. No one was outside of the war effort. It was, it was a massive pulling together of the population. And I'll give you one example. As a little boy, I used to save the silver foil that was on the inside of the wrapper of a stick of chewing gum. So you'd open up your stick of chewing gum, take that wrapper, and very carefully peel that silver foil off and make it into a ball and then add more and add more. And then when you had a ball about the size of your fist, you brought it to a center where they collected. We had tens of millions of people collecting all these little pieces of silver foil and sending them in for the war effort. That's an example of what a whole population can do. There was a significant amount of metal connected, collected that way. Uh, China did a similar thing where they melted down frying pans, melted frying pans all over the country. Because, you know, when you have a billion people and you melt down frying pans, you've got a lot of metal, and it's a lot cheaper than digging it out of the ground. We can do the same thing with this overweight and obesity epidemic. 
instead of just leaving it to the individual person to do the work, which of course ultimately each individual person has to do. But if we make it a, a group and a community and a county and a state and a national awareness, we can all rise up together in dealing with this so that each individual person doesn't have to feel like they're alone and have to do it on their own somehow. It's a, we raise our awareness and all be in on it and so that people, when they're walking in public or the, have, people who are overweight come to the gym, they know that everybody in the gym is supporting them, that nobody's making fun of them. They have nothing to be ashamed of. They've got a human condition. So I read to you about this cancer study. There's also a study indicating, and this is another important one, that people who are sleep-deprived eat more than people who get a full night's sleep. In each of these studies, participants were either restricted in their sleep time, three and a half to five and a half hours uh, per night, or got their usual rest, seven to 12 hours. Those who were sleep-deprived had a net gain of 385 calories per day. 385 calories per day. That means approximately three pounds a month. Do the math on that. 3,500 calories in a pound, 385 times 30 days in a month, or over 10,000, and you see where you get the three pounds. That's 36 pounds a year if you allow yourself to get sleep-deprived. So there's an easy thing that everybody can know about and everybody can do. Get with your sleep program. That's a lot easier than exercising, catching an extra... uh, Well, I shouldn't say that so quickly, because maybe for some people it isn't a lot easier than exercise. That's what's so nice about having you two in the studio, because I see your response to what I said, and I can self-correct. So, that's the introduction, folks. Now, I want to introduce our guests. Tarni Sheldon was born and raised in Mendocino County, and she became a credentialed K-8 through teacher in 1998. That's already 19 years ago. She's been a classroom teacher for nearly 10 years. Didn't mean to embarrass you with regard to your age. Uh, <laughs> Tarni is one of the lucky folks who feels passionate about what she does and loves her work. She's combined her love of teaching with her love of growing and eating fresh fruits, uh, fruits and vegetables. She's worked for the North Coast Opportunities, doing what she loves for the past seven years. And she's one of the North Coast Opportunities Community Wellness Outreach Program Managers. In this role, Tawny has trained teens as nutrition peer educators. She's led diverse groups of community members in strengthening their health and wellness outreach activities. Initiated, She initiated the Power of Produce Club for Kids. Oh, this is at the local farmer's market. She also developed Small Steps to Big Changes, web resource for Mendocino County. You can check that out on the web. She um, is involved, as we said earlier, with Neil in the Family Wellness and Childhood Obesity Prevention Action Team, which is going to be the topic, is the topic of this program. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics, Tarni. Thanks so much for having us. And Neil Davis. Neil Davis, who I met years ago when we were both in Leadership Mendocino together. Neil is a registered nurse. He's worked in the emergency department in ICU and served in a director role both at Ukiah Valley Medical Center 
and also at the Mendocino Community Clinics. After years of taking care of people who are in the ED or ICU as a result of bad health behavior decisions, he decided to refocus his work on health promotion and disease prevention. Neil now works as a public health nurse and community health activist. He's also a founding member and director of the Ukiah Valley Trail Group and Walk and Bike Mendocino, which you all want to know a lot about. Welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. Thanks for having me. So let us start out by your telling us about the, uh, the community program that you're both part of called Healthy Mendocino, Family Wellness and Childhood Obesity Prevention Action Team. Tarni, you're going to start. So the Healthy Mendocino Project is really awesome. I um, started about, I don't know, probably a couple years ago and just had gotten some entree into the website, which was is at healthymendocino.org. And there's a ton of health statistics and, and various things specific to Mendocino County, even down to the zip code level. And um, we use that mostly as like a grant writing resource, um, lots of folks in, in the community. Um, and more recently, the... A coalition of folks who are involved in Healthy Mendocino um, came together and started um, collaborating on a community health needs assessment so that all of the agencies in Mendocino County who need to, you know, show like, oh, these are the community health needs and this is how we're addressing them um, could come together and have this shared resource instead of, you know, each clinic and each community action agency and each hospital doing their own. Um, out of that, of course, there's a set of needs that are identified and in common from all these agencies, like really looking at them and saying, okay, what are we all going to do to move the dial and address these needs? And so out of that came the Healthy Mendocino Project, which is about all of us coming together and um, inviting other people in the community as well to come together and and solve and and do an action plan where we're actually um, addressing those and moving the dial. Do you want? Do you want to mention um, the five different area, primary areas of need? Oh, for that sure. Were identified? Yeah. So we had um, several different community meetings, um, and through the community needs assessment and surveys that went out in the community, they um, identified five primary areas. And so we have action teams in the Healthy Mendocino Project in each of those areas. And these are five areas where we feel like they're the most significant health risks or health deficits, the places where we can, the five areas where we can make the most difference to health. So one that was identified is in relation to housing. Another action team that is coalescing is um, in addressing poverty. Come on, Tony, you can Another do it. one. I can remember <laughs> all five. Um, the uh, third action team is around childhood trauma and really addressing those issues. We have our family wellness and childhood obesity prevention team as the fourth. And you're blanking, and so am I. So okay, so we've you got said- housing, poverty, childhood trauma. Mental health. Mental health, of, of course. course. How could I forget? How could we forget that on your show? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so five key areas that um, amazing diverse groups of people are coming together and meeting monthly. There's chapters even forming in um, along the coast because we're kind of inland-centric So um, at times. And so this is wonderful that we're really expanding throughout the county. People are working on this. So let me see if I got the, have this clear now. You're pulling together people from various groups within the county, you've identified five 
significant variables that are related to the obesity issue or to... To, over, to overall health. To overall health, of which obesity is one. Right. Okay. And the five significant variables related to overall health are housing, poverty, childhood trauma, obesity prevention, and mental health. Exactly. So the idea is if we can make, if we can get a team together for each of those five areas and that team can somehow in the like next five-ish years move the bar a little, our overall health in Mendocino County should improve. Okay, so let's take them one at a time and give us some flesh out the skeleton. I don't know if we'll be able to give you detail on all five of them. But could, <laughs> but, could, yeah. could, could you give me some detail on what does it mean that you've identified housing? Um, it means that we've realized that there's a serious housing shortage here in uh, Mendocino County and that when people don't have adequate housing, that can actually lead to um, health poor health outcomes. You know, you go back to the World Health Organization's uh, definition of health, and they say it's not merely the absence of disease. Um, it goes on beyond that. But, to, but essentially, you know, health is about a, a greater state of well-being than simply not being sick. And when someone doesn't have... Let, housing, let me just underline that again. Health is... It, say it again. Health... Health is not merely the absence of disease. It, it involves a lot more than that. If you do not have um, the economic wherewithal to take care of your family, that can have tremendous effects on your health. For example, if you um, are living in poverty, and poverty is one of our areas here, if you're living in poverty, you might find yourself having to drive to an hour or more to go to work. Well, that driving is now a bad, uh, is correlated with bad health outcomes because you're not exercising, you're away from your family, and you're uh, not having the quality family time that also leads to good health outcomes or correlates with good health outcomes. Lots of bad things start happening when you don't have the money to, to take care of yourself. If you don't have the money to, um, to buy the water that costs more than the soda, that can be a problem, and, and on and on. So, and and what, what we've found is that oftentimes with people who are homeless, who have a variety of impacts on our healthcare system, if we can get them into a house, they have their health improves just from doing that one intervention. Okay, so you, you two, along with this other group of people, have ascertained that there are five significant variables. We've listed them. We'll keep talking about them. Housing, poverty, childhood trauma, obesity, prevention, and mental health. We're talking about housing. You have made that determination along with a large group of people involved in this. Do the Board of Supervisors listen to you? Do they know what you've come up with? Are they think, saying to themselves, these professional people, a very large number of them, have identified these particular issues as being significant. Housing is right at the top of their list. What can we do about housing? I see Tarni shaking your head. What do you know about that? Well, I'm not here to answer specifics about the other four action teams since I really haven't been super involved with them. But I am involved with a planning group for the Healthy Mendocino Project. And I know that there's been times that they've been in front of the Board of Supervisors um, recently. I think it was just a week or so ago um, in conjunction with the Health and Human Services Agency. And so we're. I think we're all the people at our table are all of the community leaders in 
all of the key areas are really at the table. This isn't, you know, just one distinct, you know, group of people saying, yes, we want a healthier Mendocino. This really is um, a broad-based, very involved, collaborative project with everything from board of supervisors knowing about it to grassroots, you know, just people off the street saying, I'm really passionate about family wellness. I want to join your group. I see. Yes. So am I correct then that of these five issues, you two are primarily concerned in a subgroup with the obesity issue? Correct. Is that correct? That's correct. So we, we both attended a meeting where they were talking about all these five groups with the people from Health and Human Services, people from hospitals, cities. clinics, city representatives from the city and county, um, representatives uh, from schools. Family resource centers. And, and we all were talking and we split when, when we, we saw that the community health needs assessment that had been identified these five areas and we kind of split into groups they kind of said well who wants to work on which of these teams uh-huh. and Tarney and I along with a half dozen or eight other people all raised our hands and said we're, we're down with the obesity thing that's what we want to work on I see so that's how they are divided into the different groups somewhat similar to what we did when we were trained in leadership Mendocino. Yeah. Yeah, Leadership Mendocino also a great program. Uh-huh, that's why I'm, I'm, throwing, in a, I'm throwing in a commercial for it. And, and uh, maybe we should take a sidebar. Do you want to say, you want to say a few words about um, that? Sure. You know, Leadership Mendocino is a fantastic program. It was started over 20 years ago. It's currently being led by uh, Heidi Dickerson. Um, a couple of local uh, people realized that uh, it would be helpful to be helpful to us to develop leadership in Mendocino County. And they developed a program wherein about 20 to 30 people per year can join a class. And it lasts six to eight months with you meeting once a month. And they take you all over the county and show you all the county resources. And you learn about uh, what we have to offer here in the county and uh, some of our deficits and some of the opportunities for improvement that we have. You become a part of a member of a community of people who have been through it and and, um, and they do various uh, trainings to help you become a, a better leader. And uh, I think when you look at the people who have been through that program, there's been a lot of leadership that has come out of it. You know, when I was in school, I, I, one of my favorite parts of school were uh, when we went somewhere. You know, the field trip. The field trip. Yeah. And leadership Mendocino is like having a monthly field trip. It is. Because yeah. instead of sitting in a classroom for the entire time, which I was afraid it was going to be. Yeah. Instead, we were out in the field every Covalo month. Covalo to Point Arena and everything in between. I learned so much on that trip to Covalo. Yeah. That was really exciting to find out that there was a man doing print work there <laughs> yeah. that was uh, on exhibit at the Smithsonian Institute. Yeah. Uh, I was uh, class 23 of Leadership Mendocino, so I think they're uh, just now starting class 25 this okay. fall. Did we, you go to the printmaker in, we did. Uh, in, in Covalo? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the manufacturer, the man who has that huge manufacturing plant in Covalo and ships everything by UPS around the yeah, world? Yeah, all computer, computer yeah. Um, engineered, uh, um, what do you call it, uh, machining. Yeah, Machine so works. very exciting. So that's a good yeah. plug for Leadership yeah. Mendocino. Folks, you can look it up online. Just go to Google, type in Leadership Mendocino. One of, one of, the, great, one of the great programs of North Coast Opportunities. Yes, it is. It is. Of okay. which Walk and Bike Mendocino is also <laughs> a program. And we'll, we'll have a chance yeah. to talk yeah. about Walk and Bike, definitely today. So Okay, so you two... Of the five groups, you focused in on obesity prevention, right? And that's why it's called the Family Wellness and Childhood Obesity Prevention Action Team. 
And, right. and the reason we go from obesity and children's obesity to family is because we realize that, you know, children don't make a lot of their own choices. When a kid is uh, drinking soda pops every day, it's not because he picked the soda pops up, pops up on the way home from his job. It's because mom and dad bought soda pop. And so we really need to reach out to the whole family to uh, intervene early. We also focus on children because we know that um, our habits and, and our weight are really determined very early in life. If you're overweight by the time you're 10 or 12 years old, the chances that you'll struggle with your weight throughout the rest of your life um, go up uh, a lot. Let me just give you some background on the exact topic you're talking about. The prevalence of obesity uh, has remained stable at about 17%. It affects 12.7 million children. That's a large number of pills, 17% obesity. The prevalence of obesity was higher among Hispanics, 21.9%, more than one out of five. And non-Hispanic blacks, also about one out of five. But still, one out of five, 19%, the general population of kids, 17%, huge numbers. Interestingly enough, the prevalence of obesity was lower in non-Hispanic Asian youth. They have the lowest number, 8.6%. Part of the reason that I've been on this topic for so many years is because the numbers are almost unimaginable. Remember when I said 67% of of the country... Here it is uh, from the, the latest from the National Center for Health Statistics, 36.5. It's moved up. I was wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I, I quoted it as 34%. Uh, it's now moved up. It's 36.5% of the U.S. Uh, adults have obesity. Yeah. From, from my perspective, I don't understand why this isn't on the front page of every paper in the United States every single day. You know, if 60, 70% of us had a common cold, it would make national news. You know, you, you mentioned in, the, in your preface to the, uh, this talk um, the, the, the extraordinary effects that this has. And, you know, really, when obesity leads to diabetes, cardiovascular disease, joint problems... All of these other problems come from it. And when we look at our overall health care system, before we passed the Affordable Care Act, our health care costs were going up almost, our health care skyrocket, costs are skyrocketing. Right. And if we go to the, if we continue down this path, it's not going to matter whether we have the Affordable Care Act or the new, well, I forget what the Republicans' new plan is called. They can bring in that plan. There is no plan that is going to make us be able to afford the amount of health care costs we will generate for ourselves by if we don't take care of ourselves, if we don't, um, if, if we don't address the problems of obesity and all the problems that uh, come from it. So I think one of the plans that we can do locally yeah. is all about creating an environment for health and just saturating our community with fabulous walkable streets, bike lanes, fabulous food available in schools and taking out junk food marketing, taking out soda machines from the parks, 
you know, really creating an environment where health is something that we all do and where it's an easy thing to do, where, um, you know, there's a disproportionate amount of, in some towns of, you know, fast food joints that are located in the poorer section of town, you know, so then that makes that choice, you know, easier and it's harder to get fresh fruits and vegetables. Um, so having that awareness and really just kind of thinking locally about what can we do to move the dial here, I really think about creating all those community spaces and, um, you know, activities even. Um, for instance, we're, I just put a quick plug in, we're doing a kids triathlon. So, you know, just even one little thing like that where a group of agencies are coming together and we're promoting um, this really fabulous, fun activity that's going to happen in Ukiah on July 22nd and in Fort Bragg, they're going to have one as well on July 29th. So things like that where we're creating health in our own community and, and, and mobilizing around it, I think it's important. Part of- I have a question for you, too, mm-hmm. in terms of your initial work with this program. Do you think the kids believe what we're saying? We're talking about children now. Do they believe us, or do they think this is just another one of those baloney stories that adults tell children? Because when I was a kid growing up, there was a huge credibility gap, and it was so big that we didn't believe a lot of the things that adults Mm -hmm. told us because so much of what they told us we knew was nonsense. So therefore, how can you believe the other stuff and how do you decide which is the nonsense and which is the real sense? And so what I'm wondering is, is there a similarity now? Do kids hear us saying junk food and and, and drinks and so on? Yeah, I think that... And they think we're we're just making it up or or, or some kind of baloney from adults? I think the thing that doesn't change is that the expression do as I say, not as I do doesn't work. And that's why we talk about family wellness right alongside childhood obesity. It's what we do is what cause is what they learn from, not not what we tell them. It's what we do. If we buy them sodas and we're eat, drinking sodas, they're going to too. If we drive when we're going a quarter of a mile, they're going to want to drive when they're going a quarter of a mile. Part of what uh, Tarney was talking about was making the healthy choice the easy choice, and that's what we have to do as a society. We have to make it easier to be healthier healthy than it is to be unhealthy easier to be healthy we're going to take a phone call here mike let's uh, see if we can uh, tune that person right in hi welcome to mind body health and politics you're on the air good morning good morning i think you have to pay like a thousand dollars to be able to take a class from or join leadership mendocino so i was wondering uh I, I'm not very pleased about that because... Where did you hear that? I, I When I went to leadership, I'm going to check in with, with Tarney and Neil right now because of your good question. But when I went, there was no fee whatsoever. What about you two? You know, I think they like uh, the... the- your employer to uh, kick in. And so I was at Ukiah Valley Medical Center when I did it, and I think uh, Ukiah Valley Medical Center paid some amount of money for me to participate. But um, So I just was recently at the Leadership Mendocino. They have um, an annual fundraiser. It was just this last weekend, Roundup at the Ranch. And so there's a huge community of support for people joining Leadership Mendocino and for people that can't afford the cost of um, setting up all the classes and the, the one staff person that we're supporting. Um, there's a huge community of support and they just came out with um, a whole scholarship fund. So um, $500 of scholarship funds is available to people. 
There's, um, you know, all sorts. Of, I think that there's ways to work around it if, if yeah, price is a, I, an issue. If you want to get in and you don't have the money, you can get in. Thank call, you for that call. Call, up. That call really, him up and ask. Yeah, that was really great to bring that out. Thank you. Thank you. So we were talking about... Making the healthy choice. Do as I do, Mm -hmm. not as I say. So part of your work has to be with the parents. eh? A lot of our work has to be with the parents. And um, part of our, I think the other uh, portion of this that I I would like to bring up, and it's got, is is that we have what I see as a health behavior um, knowledge gap or a knowledge health behavior gap. People know the things that they're supposed to do. People know that they're supposed to, or at least is my, my opinion, pe- people largely know that they should be exercising or getting some physical activity every day. People know that they should be eating fruits and vegetables, but we don't do it. And so simply telling people that more doesn't get them to change. So the question is, how do we work with people to, um, to bridge that health knowledge behavior gap? So that's where, as an example, some of the work that I've done through North Coast Opportunities has been not centered around, oh, you need to change, kid, or oh, you need to change, mom or dad. It's about let's do this fun thing together. So it, let's let's have a cooking class where we, the you know, the dad and the daughter um, make this really fabulous dish that they've added a little bit more vegetables than maybe they normally would have. And we don't necessarily even address head on, like you know, let's do this or you need to change or I'm going to tell you how to do this. It's, it's about just encouraging and creating that um, environment where this is what we do together. We cook together or we go to the farmer's market and we do the pop club together, which is one of the programs I have, the Power of Produce Club, um, that happens at the farmer's markets. And that's where kids come and they taste a new food and then they get $4 of market bucks where they get to go shop at the farmer's market and have that power of choice of their own to pick out a fruit or vegetable. So it's so- about like creating fun and just permeating the society with this is what we do. This is how we are healthy, but without like being, this is, you know, prescriptive about it. I so love this. I think this is so important to offer health as a, as a way of dealing with this rather than all the don'ts and won'ts and, you know, all that kind of negative stuff that gets overwhelming after a while. Right. right? And for me, part of what Tarney's uh, talking about is, is a social norming. It's about making this a normal thing as opposed to, you're not the weirdo, Who's who's eating fruits like and vegetables? Freak. It's like yeah, we all. This is what we all do, and there's huge power in social norms. And right now we have a lot of unhealthy social norms, and so the question is, how do we shift those social norms so that it becomes something? So you get the social diffusion of ideas, and you get people um, and those tipping points where people start saying, "Well, wait, I want to be part of that." How do we make but, being healthy fun? Mm-hmm. Rather than that's the work, but the real yeah. fun is eating the junk. Mike, let's see if we can take that call. That's really a key, isn't it? That the, we've got to change it around so that the junk is no longer the treat. Hi, welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. You're on the air. Well, you, we, we hoped you were on the air. <laughs> so c- coming back to what we're saying, I mean, that, 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 this, this is really very important what you're talking about, being able to do things. Like, for example... Suppose somebody wants to con listening to this and they want to contact you and they say, That sounds like a great thing. I'd like to learn how to cook with my kid. How do they how do they do it? What do they do to, to reach out to to the program? 
Well, those are various programs that we've had um, that are grant funded through North Coast Opportunities, the ones I know about. But I know that can they um, Google North Coast Opportunities and find out something all right sorts there? of programs? ncoinc.org. Yeah. ncoinc.org. ncoinc.org. Yeah. Okay. And we're starting new pro- projects all the time. And for instance, we're starting one called the Caring Kitchen Project, and it's going to be based at a kitchen in Willits. And we're inviting teen volunteers to come and be the chefs in the kitchen. Um, this is a project where they come without a parent, but they come into the kitchen and they're creating these really fabulous, nutritious healing meals. And we're partnered with the Cancer Resource Center. So those nutritious meals are then packed up and delivered to cancer patients who are undergoing treatment or in recovery. So just really like solidifying that connection between so many aspects as far as just cooking for yourself, incorporating more plant-based foods healing and compassion and giving for the community. How much does it cost to participate in this? For the teens, they're volunteers and they come as volunteers. For the recipients of the meals, those are clients of the Cancer Resource Center. That's a different thing. I'm talking about the people who participate in your program. So it's basically like you get community service hours if you're in high school, if you just want to do it because you want to, you know, give to the community. Right, right. That's important. Let's take that call, see if we can get the person back, Michael. Hi, welcome to Mind, Body, Health, and Politics. You're on the air. Hi, Richard and Tarni and Neil. This is Thais. Hi, Thais. Hi, what a great program. I'm loving it. Thank you. you. One of of the things that's so unique, uh, what you guys are talking about, especially uh, for Tarni and Neil, is how the community can get involved, which is what you were just talking about. But I'm wondering if you could maybe, you know, put out there how people can join in on the action team, other ways they can, um, you know, get information and how this is, and Tarni, you said it before, how this is really a community project, which makes it so different. Um, and other events that might be coming up. I know you guys talked about a triathlon. I'd, I'd love for you to talk more about that. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well, I don't know, Tarni, do you want to give them... Sure. I mean, we have the healthymendocino.org is our primary information kind of hub. So we have all sorts of things on that. And if people were interested in joining any of the five action teams, especially ours, of course, you're, you're welcome to enjoy join ours um, as far as the family wellness and childhood obesity prevention. Um, simply, there's a page on there. There's monthly meetings that are listed. There's coastal chapters. There's inland chapters. Um you can simply call healthymendocino.org. There's a the contact information there as well. Um, we welcome anybody from an agency or just individuals who are interested in these topics and really want to be part of the action. Um, and we, we are looking at, uh, you know, originally we one of the uh, topic points was should we have one, one team for each of these five areas countywide? Um, and we kind of decided that really we need to have a, a coastal group as well. You know, that, that, that hill is such a, a barrier for us cooperating on so many of these things. And it's, it's a thing I think a lot of us struggle with when we try and do countywide um, projects. So they are looking specifically for people on the, on the coast as well. And one of the collaborative efforts that we are doing across that big hill is um, the kids triathlon. So though we're doing a Ukiah kids triathlon on July 22nd, which is fabulous, all kids, I think it's like toddler through age 13 or 14 Something did like we do? That, yeah. um, 
and of course it's swim, bike, run city of Ukiah is really, um, leading that effort and we're all collaborating on that. Um, but across the cross the hill connection is that Natalie Cottrell from the Mendocino coast parks and rec is leading the charge on this end and doing that, um, same event on July 29th in, um, at the CB star center. For those, for those of you just, uh, tuning in, we're here today with, uh, Tarney Sheldon and Neil Davis. We're talking about health in Mendocino. We're really talking about health as a way of preventing illness rather than treating illness. Of course, illness does have to be treated. But when it comes to something like overweight and obesity, the way they're directing us, the way they're leading us is towards having fun being healthy as a way to not be unhealthy. And that's a lot more fun as a way to go. It's so much easier if a person says, cross the street here, than it is for somebody to say, here's 14 places where you shouldn't cross the street. Well, they can show you all the places where you shouldn't cross the street all day long, but if they never get around to telling you where to cross, you don't know where to cross. And what you're doing is talking about creating an atmosphere of health. That's a socio cultural change, which is really powerful. And I want to tell you folks, while we're talking here, doing a little uh, multitasking, I went to the uh, healthymendocino.org website. You have to check it out. It's really something. You've got all kinds of, of information on here, including summer programs for kids, musical events, stuff about tobacco companies, things about bees. I mean, it goes on and on. It's a really well-done uh, and, and colorful and pretty website. looks pretty easy to navigate. Yeah, there's a ton of information on there. Most of the people that I know that use it are health professionals, but there's also a lot of uh, information. It's really valuable to us um, in getting grants because we can pull up data really easily that supports the projects that we're wanting to do. But there's also a lot of information for the general public there yeah, as well. Yeah, a few well. less wonky things. You yeah. know, there's definitely like resource guides. Like if you're with your family and it's a hot day inland and you're, oh, what do we do? And there's a whole resource guide called Small steps to to big changes and there's all sorts of family activities which there's some like indoor laser tag or so things that are basically just fun but they of course lead to health in the the process so if you go to the site and you start seeing a bunch of numbers and statistics and graphs and stuff just just click over to the local project some other places (laughs) and you can find some of the things that that aren't quite so uh wonky so i'm going to ask you now a very uh, practical kind of question somebody's listening to this program And they say, you know, I've got some friends, uh, they're both uh, overweight, and uh, both their kids are overweight. And what would be the first thing, or some, a couple of first things you would tell them to do? Who should they contact? What, where can they begin? Where can they begin? They, they don't. They don't know anything. I mean, they're the people who are going to Safeway and buying two six packs of Coca Cola and a bunch of Fritos and don't quite grasp what that stuff is doing to them yet. So I really think that a really small step is the best way to integrate health into your life. If you're not like, oh, super health conscious and and living, you know, from study to study about what the best health thing is. So for the general folks and myself included, picking one small thing. So like, you know what? I think we're going to drink... Um, At lunchtime, instead of a soda, we're going to have a water for the whole month of July. 
you know, so just picking one small thing that you can do, or you know what, every day, um, when after our grocery shopping and we've put the groceries away, we're going to go to the hall road and we're going to take a 20 minute walk together as our family time. So just like picking out one thing that you incorporate into your life that then cascades. And, and of course that one thing will lead most likely and studies show, you know, that it leads to the next thing. It does. It does. I'm in my clinical practice. I found that that is absolutely true in my own personal life. I found that's true. Sometimes just something like a croissant a few times a week. And I I did a, a statistical analysis on what happens if you drink one bottle of soda a day extra above and beyond what you ordinarily have and the ordinary you keep your exercise the same you keep all your food the same you drink one bottle of soda you want to take a guess at how much weight you gain at the end of the year 10 pounds over 15 pounds oh that was for a glass of juice that must over 15 pounds one bottle of soda and it's so easy to say oh give myself a break see the thing is that we've associated the word treat with stuff that really does us harm. Right. That's a real problem. It's so the treat pro- is getting to go to a triathlon and having your mom count how many laps you just swam in the pool and then running over and doing the bike course. And the treat is, oh my gosh, we just like feel awesome and now we're going to lay on the couch and put our feet up. But boy, we had fun. <laughs> but after I do all those fun things, what do I get to eat? <laughs> A peach. <laughs> a peach. All right, a piece yeah, of fruit. Yeah. We, that's changing the culture. Yeah. I a, think, you know, we can. Fruit. We, we, we need to look at uh, policy. Policy is one of the places where we really help a whole community change by changing policies so that we don't have sodas in the schools, so that we have, uh, so that we make. And, and the second place would be like infrastructure. The infrastructure, we, we were chatting just before we started, and I mentioned the idea that when we build, design buildings, if we make it so that the elevators in the front of the building and the stairways are in the back, people take the elevator rather than the stairway. But by simply putting the stairway right where people first, first get, they can go up the stairs. So infrastructure, whether it's the, how we design our buildings or how we design our roads, those are changes that we can make that really make the healthy choice the easy choice. And um, so, and then the third thing, really, you know, you've got you've got policy, you've got infrastructure, and then kind of the other thing is the behavioral shifting that we need to do, where we change the social norms, and and that's more where we're trying to do our work. I was brought up believing that when I went out to a restaurant, if I drove, I should try to find a parking spot close to the restaurant. One day, it occurred to me that the best thing I could possibly do is purposely find a parking spot further away from the restaurant. There's a small step that you can take, just one little thing like that. after eating, I then get a nice little walk to the car. You know, it's not an easy thing to do. I mean, to make that change in the mind, it it really is, it's counter in some way to this upbringing. And imagine saying if you're with another couple or, or with friends, you say... They say, where are you going? I say, well, I'm looking for a place about 10 blocks away from the... What are you, crazy? Right. Oh, there's Miller. I mean, he's acting weird again. I mean, 10 blocks away or 15 blocks away. And yet, one step like that over a period of years, I mean, that's the flip side of the one bottle of soda that at right. the end of the year gains 15 pounds. That's the 10-block walk after going out somewhere that at the end of the year ends up with being thousands of steps. That's the kind of thing you guys are working on, isn't it? Changing the culture that way. 
that's what we're trying to do. And that's part of what we're as a team trying to figure out how part of what we're really working on now is we've got people on our obesity uh, action team here. We've got people from the schools. We've got people from health clinics. We've got people from the hospital. We have people from nonprofit organizations. Um, I'm probably forgetting other major uh, groups. We've got people from the tribes. Um, and we're trying, what we're talking about is we're all working in a certain, to a certain extent in our own little silos. You know, so one of the first exercises we did was we looked at what are all the different things that people are working on. And it was just like this long, long list of people doing things. And we're sitting around this room going, well, I didn't know you were doing that. Oh, I didn't know you were doing that. Oh, you're doing that? Oh, that's great. Well, I didn't know you were doing that. And now we're, so part of what we realized is one of the things that our team is working on is just simply the communication among us, amongst ourselves. So we know what everybody else is doing. And the second thing that we want to do with that then is say, how... Are there unifying themes that we can all employ? Whether I'm talking about trying, for me, for, with Walk and Bike Mendocino, trying to get people to be, to leave their car at home and, and walk short trips, walk or bike short trips, or whether it's Tarney working with some sort of food nutrition kind of thing, whether it's this, the um, Caring Kitchen Caring Project. Kitchen project. Right. Sorry, I was going to call it series. Um, Caring Kitchen Project. Um, are there ways that we can use unifying themes in everything that we talk about this so that we're reinforcing our messages and and we're instead of you know i think i think we we risk we, we what we want to do is be uh, this have the sum of our parts be greater than the parts collective impact and Strategic. have this really collective yeah thank you um and so how that's part of what we're trying to as a team figure out can we use is do we develop a marketing message that has unifying themes in it a branding kind of thing um, we don't really know the answer to that question yet, right yet but uh, hopefully in a year we will full court press is what i'm thinking it's got to be all of the above the e you know, but D, but that e full court D. press has to be a team effort team effort right? all and the i way. think it's right now too much we're five guys working kind on of that scatter yeah. team. Yeah. Yeah. so you know, it's got to be very yeah. very focused yeah. so i have a question here very often when a subcultural group is trying to lead, get out of oppression, there's a feeling amongst some of the subcultural groups that it has to be people of their own group that lead them out. So it couldn't be white people leading black people out of oppression. There have to be black leaders who do so. It, there has to be a Cesar Chavez who helps the farm workers, who's a, who's a Hispanic person. Do you think that's also true with regard to the obesity and overweight? Or do we need obese leaders? And, and it's, it's, it's a complicated thing because in a way, if you're, if you're uh, obese and you're trying to lead people out of obesity, you know, you're subject to, well, who are you to tell us that? Look at the size of yourself. But at the same time, if you have that spiritual feeling that you want to get out of that, you can lead even though you you're also. Over. You also have a certain credibility then. You know, that's another thing that, you know, if you've got the guy who's got 4% body fat who works out four hours a day telling how... It's telling, too unattainable. It, it, it's it, like, oh, like, oh, forget oh, it. You've got no credibility with me. Your life is so different than mine. I, and so in some ways, you want someone. And I think, you know, that's part of the reason I think we're very open to the idea of having community members on our, on our action team. Um, because I think uh, that does make a big difference. The difficult thing is that, you know, we oftentimes, because those of us who are there are professional people, we're, we're having meetings during the day, during the work week, when a lot of other people can't. Everybody's it. working. Everybody's working. Course. Yeah, yes. yeah, I can't, you know, it's great that you're having that meeting. But, yeah. And so that's, you know, another challenge for us. You know, I think that the, uh, 
this issue that you're talking about of pulling your team together and all focusing as one cohesive mass, that sounds really important. Sounds very important. Well, it's, it's kind of what you were talking about. You know, you mentioned the example of pulling the, the bubblegum wrapper. Yes. And we're all in this together yeah. and we're all working on it. And yeah, we can have huge collective impact if we're all pulling on the same rope at the same time in the same direction. Exactly. Michael, do we have time to take that call? Or we, uh, we, no. we, we don't. Sorry about that. Thank you for, uh, for wanting to call in, but we can't do it because we've got two minutes left. So what do we want to say in our last two minutes to our listening audience so we get even more community participation? I just, I'd like to just say that this, I would love for everybody to choose a small step that they can take today. And whether that's joining an action team or whether that small step is doing something personal for yourself or your family, that's just moving your own way of being towards health. One step, one important step. Yeah, I, I I don't know that I have a whole lot other to, of, other to offer. Yeah, I think the small steps are a great way to go. Um, please uh, visit walkbikemendo.org if you'd like some more information about uh, leaving your car home. And, and if that's the small step that you want to make is to actually walk or bike, um, walkbikemendo.org has some good information there. And I hope that you'll um, consider supporting uh, Tarney's new program, The Caring Kitchen, too, because it's a fantastic program. Caring Kitchen. Can they Google Caring Kitchen and get to it? It's one of NCO's new programs. So on ncoinc.org, when you look in community wellness, you'll find the Caring Kitchen Project. Let's say it again, nco.org. Ncoinc, I-N-C. Ncoinc.org. And then, of course, healthymendocino.org. Healthy Mendocino. Thank you, Neil Davis. Thank you, Tony Sheldon, Thank you, for being with us today. It's been uh, an important and educational program. And thank you all for joining us and listening in. Thank you to our colleagues over at KZYX and my in-studio engineer, my dear friend, Mike DeLora. Please join us again in two weeks at 9 o'clock Pacific Daylight Time. My guest is going to be Dr. Thais Mazur, who you heard call in briefly on our program today. Until then, this is Dr. Richard Miller reminding you that good health is working very, it's really worth working hard for. I believe it is, and I'm still here. Mm-hmm.